Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Board Games FM. It's Wednesday, October 18th. And as always, we are powered by TheologyofGames.com. I'm Jeremiah Isley, and today on Board Games FM, we're going to continue this Kickstarter conversation that we had started yesterday when uh, kind of kicked off with an email that we got from a would-be publisher about a game that is very outside of the scope of theology of games. And um, so I wanted to start today off by talking, give, sharing some more thoughts about Kickstarters and kind of approaching folks in the industry, uh, content creators and so forth, and share some thoughts there and also ask your thoughts on some of these subjects as well. And what I really wanted to pick up on from what uh, Firestone was talking about yesterday was the idea of have, knowing who you're emailing and sort of uh, the... Um, the the relationship that you build with reviewers and content creators you know podcasters video makers all that stuff uh it at theology of games we we've really scaled back what we do in terms of uh, especially reviewing Kickstarter titles, we will we will give mentions. We'll hit social media and things like that with uh, mentions of cool Kickstarters. Um, just kind of get the word out there a little bit, do what we can to help out. But when it comes to previewing games, we've really scaled that back to a handful of uh, of publishers that we know. Um, one, we have a pretty good relationship with, and we know that if we spend time previewing a game before it hits Kickstarter, uh, it's going to, um, it's going to happen. We've in the past, we've been burned. We spent a lot of hours, uh, play testing a game, giving feedback, writing up content for it. And then the the Kickstarter never even launches, let alone is successful. So um, we've really scaled that back. It, but one way that that can be overcome is, and this is very rare, is if somebody, a publisher, a designer, whoever it may be, reaches out to us and is really interactive with us way ahead of hey, ahead of the ask, you know, ahead of, hey, will you preview my game? Hey, can I send you a copy or a preview or a print and play or, or whatever? Um, if if they're way ahead of that, and they, they truly do mean, like, I respect your site, I respect what you do, I, I know what you do, I know your audience, I know what it is that makes theology of games and the podcasts and the reviews that you do, I know what it is that makes them that, then we are more than willing to to continue to work with you and to help you out and do what we can. It's the ones that hit us up and it's obviously a form letter and they, they try to smooth things over and butter us up and say, oh, I'm a big fan of your site, I love what you do. And then they hit us with something that's clearly outside of the scope of anything we've ever covered, especially with inappropriate content or things like that. That just that rubs you the, us the wrong way, and that is definitely not a way to win our favor. And it just comes off as disingenuous. It just comes off as as 
fake. So um, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up because I'm almost out of time for this segment. But I want to hear your thoughts on it. Where where do you look for in a in a Kickstarter campaign? Is it are is there content that you just shy away from and you would rather not? Uh, just even go there is there um are there certain publishers who use kickstarter frequently that uh you you are more apt to back because you you know their reputation it's long standing and it's good call in let us know let me know if you think i'm way off base with my thoughts and how we kind of go about business practice with theology of games And I'm looking forward to hearing what everybody has to say. Stay tuned for more thoughts on this and more today on Board Games FM, powered by TheologyofGames.com. I'm Jeremiah Isley, and we'll see you soon. Hey, everybody. This is AJ Skifstad from Board Games FM, powered by Theology of Games. Just wanted to follow up on a conversation we've already heard this week, brought, brought about by Firestone commented on by Jeremiah, and I wanted to add my own two cents to worker placement games. One of my favorite mechanics in the gaming industry is worker placement. I love games like Viticulture, as Jeremiah mentioned, uh, Lords of Waterdeep, and um, so many others. Uh, I recently played uh, Chimera Station, which I really enjoyed, by TMG, and I also like Gold West, Orleans. I love worker placement games. But my favorite worker placement game of all time, and there's a lot of contention about around this one because it's older and um, it is not as well-developed, quote-unquote well-developed, as some of the newer games, and that is Stone Age, originally in print by Rio Grande Games here in the U.S., and then now it's under Z-Man. But Stone Age is one of my all-time favorite worker placement games. It's my wife's favorite game of all time. And Stone Age is a game where you are developing your uh, your uh, prehistoric people, I guess, and um, building huts and feeding your people, collecting resources to allow you to do a lot more things, and at the end of the game, whoever has the most points wins. Well, one of the one of the biggest contentions with Stone Age is the dice rolling. When you go to collect a resource, you'll collect that resource based upon a division of your dice. For instance, wood is worth three pips on a dice. If you can roll at least three, you're going to collect one wood. If you put five people in the woodcutting area, you're going to roll five dice, and you're going to collect wood based upon those dice rolls. So you'll add up all your dice, divide it by three, that's how much wood you get. Well, what if you roll all twos? You're going to get a really crappy intake of wood. And so a lot of people just don't like the game due to the dice rolling factor. Now there are ways to mitigate your dice and I feel that they're very fair. If you can collect tools throughout the game or gain uh, a one-time use tool that's very powerful, you can mitigate those dice rolls and do what you need. Now I will say there are some times where you're just, it's not your day for dice and and that can be a hard game to play. But, But I don't think that's the case all the time. I don't think people really have those times where you're just everything you roll is bad it's very rare so I think that the game is very balanced the other thing a lot of people don't like is at the end of each round you have to feed your people or you can lose resources or points and 
I feel like that's huge in, in this game. You can't just do whatever you want just because you have the resources to do it. You've got to be able to balance your own people as well. And you've got to be able to feed them at the end of each round. Now, that's different in Viticulture. In Viticulture, you can just send your workers out. It doesn't matter how many workers you have. You can keep bringing workers on board on your staff, and you never have to feed them or never have to do anything that there's no cost to adding more workers. Well, in Stone Age, there's a cost to adding more workers, and that's another point of contention for some people. They don't like that. But I feel like it adds an element of the game that really makes you think and strategize a lot a lot better. It may it, it just I think it totally enhances the game by making you have to make those hard decisions. Am I gonna feed my people or am I gonna overextend my people so that I can get victory points now? So Stone Age, my favorite worker placement game of all time. There's a lot of great ones out there. Let's continue the conversation. Let's hear what you think. Post below or call in. As always, check us out on theologyofgames.com. Hey everyone, it's Firestone here, Board Games FM, powered by Theology of Games. I just want to, apparently it's Worker Placement Week here on uh, Board Games FM, and that's cool. I want to thank, you know, Jeremiah and AJ for jumping in there and talking about some Worker Placement games, and I'm going to continue that trend. I told you guys yesterday, no, I told you guys yesterday, yeah, yesterday, that um, I'd be playing Lisboa last night, which is a big Worker Placement game. And I played it, and here are my thoughts. So I knew that I was going to be in trouble when the guy teaching the game handed us player aid books. The game comes with player aid books, and they're kind of like, they look like menus. But there are so many different cards and tiles and things that score that you literally need a book with a list to look them all up and so you look at one oh what does that do number 35 okay if I do this I get two extra coins okay the game is all iconography and I don't even know where to begin it is huge we had to put two long folding tables together just to fit the board and everything together it's sprawling you just look at this board and go I'm overwhelmed and not just overwhelmed because there's so much there but because the artwork I know it's supposed to be like period artwork and feel like it comes from that time but it just all works against each other there's too much going on the iconography is not good it there were so many times where we we reduced tried to start doing something and go oh wait that icon actually means that thing this is through the very end of the game after four and a half hours I might add um, we were confused. We were lost. It took us half the game before we started going, oh, I see how this connects with that and what I'm doing. And I don't want to say this is a bad game. It is not a bad game. It's actually a good game. And if I were to compare this with Anachrony, it's probably better than Anachrony. But it's still, again, this one also took us four and a half hours with rules. And I just go, why? This game does not, I don't need a four and a half hour heavy euro um for me a good heavy euro is maybe two and a half hours why there was not an extra two hours of fun and gameplay and thoughtfulness in this it was overwhelming and not in a good way so there were just bad choices on how much you put in there you know one of the things that you talk about in music is it's important to know the notes to play but it's also the great ones know what not to play 
the great writers and editors know that it's not just the book you write, but it's the stuff you remove that makes it so great. And so a game like Lisboa that I play for four and a half hours and there are a thousand million billion things going on and connected, it's important to know, actually, if I remove this thing, it's much cleaner. And if I get rid of that, it's better. And so less is more when it comes to games as far as I'm concerned. That's not to say that you can't have complexity or lots of interlocking parts, but they all need to be important. And when certain things in, in this game don't feel important, why are they there? They don't need to be there. So I would recommend playing Lisboa once. Um, I would play it again myself, but I would only play with people who knew how to play already because there's no way I want to sit through another 45 minutes of rules explanation. I would want to sit down and play and if we could get it down to two and a half hours, then I would maybe be interested in playing this more often, but I just don't see that happening. So for me, Lisboa was a, another one like Anachrony where I go, that was a fun game that I never have to play again. So if I'm going to grab a meaty worker placement, I'm going to play Arge of the Consortium because that game is fun and way less time. So let's continue the conversation. Have you guys played Lisboa or Anachrony or any of these games that we're talking about? We want to hear about you. It's Worker Placement Week on Board Games FM. And let's keep the things going. And thanks for listening. Bye.